Welcome to Sports Girls Podcast, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. Check out gemevents.ie, candy carts, chocolate fountains, selfie mirrors. We got all your party needs covered at gemevents.ie. Healthandfitnessireland.net. We put you back in control of your health, fitness, nutritional and well-being needs through education, advice and motivation. Check out healthandfitnessireland.net. Looking to dance the night away? Check out thelols.ie, the perfect sound for your next wedding, party or function. Great sound. At lists, lively and sure crowd pleasers, I suppose in looking at um, the LGFA website, uh, social media, it's, you know, in the last few weeks, I've noticed that there's been a number of new vacant management roles in various counties. Like, for example, I just saw today Sligo, um, Leash, Westmeath, um, Monaghan, Donegal, and even again, just this week again, you know, Galway have, have lost their manager. So I suppose, Nadine, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how disruptive might that be to a team? Yeah, like that? I mean, it's, it's huge when you when you hear it listed out like that. It's it's absolutely massive, um, and it's quite worrying to be honest. And um, you kind of think, where are the managers going to come from, and where are the top quality managers going to come from? Because that's you know that's really what you need at that level. I mean, I suppose I would have had connections to to Donegal and Westmead, who are both without a manager now at the minute. Um, Donegal, Maxi Curran was over Donegal this year, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. He'd left uh, Donegal under 21 men set up. He'd worked with Jim McGuinness for a number of years. And I know Maxi well, actually. And, you know, I think Maxi probably felt it was in all Ireland in that team. It definitely wouldn't have been a, a long term building plan. Um, and, and he left after a year, which was, you know, from a supporter's point of view, quite disappointing. Um, but the fact that they didn't get over the line, they probably did fall short against Cork because they didn't have enough quality, but that's what they've all came now as managerless. Um, Yvonne's going to Australia, Ethan McDonald's in Australia. There's a lot of stalwarts there who could possibly step down. So you're looking at a Donegal team, could be in transition, managerless, you know. So with me then, um, as you said, Gracie, I coach with me, so I know a good few of the girls. Um, would have known Maxi as well, another Maxi, uh, ironically, their manager. From playing against um, Maxi when he was over Kildare, but I mean, I felt I was disappointed that Maxi left after two years. He was down for three years. For me, you know, I look at what he did with that group of players. I don't know what more he could have done. He won a Division Two. He maintained a Division One status. He maintained a senior status. And um, he played a very tough year in Leinster. I mean, when it's just you in Dublin and Leinster, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So, you know, for for him. I'd be disappointed that he, he decided to cut it short after two years, whatever happened, you know. Could have been higher expectations from a player's point of view. You, you, you just don't know. But again, you know, a very good West Mead team, a solid senior team who find themselves in a position without a manager. And after losing, for me, a, a very good manager, you know, with a lot of experience in ladies football. So, yes, it's definitely worrying. Would, um, would you think, Nadine, that, you know, that when a manager takes a role like this, you know, they and they maybe are on a, a three-year term, do you think that, you know, their hopes is that a certain amount of work will have already have been done at underage, you know, or or would they would they hope that those players are about to be funneled into the senior panel? Because if I, if I look at, you know, maybe other counties, you know, at really high-level senior and their minor teams are yeah. playing at a B level, you know, they might be successful at B, but it's no point, you know, being nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. You, you see, exactly, you heard that. You know, you see the Galway, the Corks, that even Donegal in recent years, Dublin, obviously, they're always blooding two or three new players in a year. Looking at your items, you look at West Mead, let's say they'd be in the middle here. With me, you'd be hoping, I'd say Maxie would have been hoping to have blooded at least one or two girls every season, which he did. If you look at their team sheets, you know, he had a couple of minors in there every year. And um, he changed a few things. So, you know, and I did put them on and won them that division too. Um, so I'd say, yeah, he definitely would have been happy with that. But yeah, definitely as a manager, you're going in. And you need new blood every year. You need new blood to freshen things up. Because people do get comfortable in positions. People get comfortable with team sheets. And you might find yourself then becoming a bit static. So from a manager's point of view, absolutely. You know, you want that underage setup for sure. Yeah, and do you think, um, like Quiva, from your point of view... Um, with, you know, Monaghan, do you think that, you know, sometimes that it's going to cause a lot of disruption and new manager come in or what's your what's your thoughts on that? Um, it's, like, it's a hard one from being a player side of it, like, 
I've went through a lot of um, managers with mom and ladies and they've all been absolutely fantastic and we've been lucky enough that we had the likes of Gregory McGonagall and Peter Clark and we held on to them for two or three years which probably where we got a lot of our success. Kind of the managers then come in for maybe one year, it's just not enough. You do need someone sometimes but then yet again you need your players to step up and put in the performance as well and if that cannot happen I can see why managers then do step down if they don't feel that if players aren't driving on maybe you're not succeeding then again you have players maybe dropping out and just from the morning for myself now this is I haven't played I didn't play county football now this year um, but as uh, Nadine was saying, you need the young ones to come through and that is what I think with Monin especially is lacking we are not developing our that's what I was going to ask, you know, I know you didn't play last year, but, you know, from an outsider's point of view, you looked at it and, you know, Dunamoyne have been so successful club-wise. This Dunamoyne management team came in and it was probably Manning's most disappointing year in, yeah. in what I can remember in such a long time. So, you know, where do you think things went wrong, maybe, you know, with the expectations that the players had on the management team didn't match up or... You know, did they just not fit the job? And again, I suppose you are looking from an outsider's point of view as well because you weren't there. But what do you think maybe went wrong or what happened? I don't know. Like, the players are there and everything. But mm. it's just, it's kind of, we've kind of been kicking up the door the past couple of years. And we've kind of had the same group of girls. There's yeah. always been yeah. the same kind of foundation that will always form that modern team. And we've had ones come in and out, but they just haven't fit that role. And it all goes down to, like, our underage completely, but there is nothing. Mm. Like, I know from when I was playing on the 14 or the 16 counties, there was such determination. You were coming to training with 30 or 40 players. Like, we were training. Mm. I remember training with mom and ladies the year before last, and coming to training and seeing maybe on the 14s and maybe only six or seven wrapping up. And you're looking down the yeah. line and this is what happened here. What, yeah, and this is what we're going to have to deal with yeah. in a couple of years' time. This is going to be our next senior panel. Yeah, it's, that's it. It's, yeah, it is yeah. quite. Uh, it's quite disappointing to see that too. <laughs> but as well, I think it's management that we need. The way I look at it, you need someone, a manager, to be what I think a player. Like, yeah. I think I think that we have management coming in now for the underage who have been recent morning in footballers. Yeah. So that would be yeah. really good to bring on because someone kind of on the outside who maybe has not a lot of football experience but maybe say in the odd club coming in yeah. and dealing with girls it, it can be Absolutely. difficult that is. Yeah, I, I read there probably last year I know that Nate and Fiona Kindlin were expressed interest in yeah. making an underage team and for whatever reason it didn't materialise and you know I mean they'd be snapped up in any Ulster county oh. Yeah. to take your under four you know, and you kind of ask yourself what's going on here you know, I know. What, why isn't this happening so as you said hopefully that that will material yeah, I know I think that's the change by this year and would be an absolutely brilliant uplift for the and even for the young oh. like imagine a 14 or 15 year old coming to train and you have the likes of me Kinlan training yeah like absolutely. they would look up to that you put in more hard work you, it's, it's yeah. fine to be what yeah. you kind of want to be yeah. you know that kind of time yeah. Like, so yeah no and, and even yeah, and just even just speaking with the manager of a little bit, you know, again going back to the players, you know, and I suppose in the events of what went on during the summer, you know, well, I definitely, you know, I feel players definitely deserve a setup to be at a standard yeah. whereby I suppose they can compete at the highest level. But you know, do you feel into the case as a player sometimes of being in a change room? Are players or essentially cohorts of players at times? Are they, you know, in a squad? Do they expect or do they demand nowadays to have too much of a say? You know, obviously we're looking for things to be player-driven, but is it a case that cohorts at times or certain players, not even experienced players, it could be younger players, do they feel, okay, I disagree with the setup, or I disagree with a drill, or I disagree with the team selection? Like, has it gone too much the other way? And is that why these managers are all stepping away and, you know, we find ourselves with all these kinds of teams with no managers? Yeah, actually, I never really thought of it like that, but now that you say it, it kind of... I actually can see where you're coming from. That kind of that could actually be a reason why. And just from whatever reasons went on throughout the summer as well, I feel like maybe if you've a lot of people playing, obviously for the club, if they play for the county and they play for a college team, they're maybe they might have a big say in the club. And then when they go back to the county, they don't. And then they're yes, just, yeah. they come in there with their maybe they're the best in the club, and then coming into the county, they find it a bit more harder. So they're maybe. Yeah. More local in a way, you know. I mean, yeah. No, absolutely. If you were to take into account then the quality of the, uh, so Quiva, like right now you're back doing your postgrad in midwifery, and 
you're, you know, a UCD student. So you're getting to play O'Connor Cup like for the first time in a while. And, you know, would it be a case that like the setup is so professional, like in DCU, mm. UCD, UL and so on and so forth, yeah. that, you know, that you have an expectation of the level and the quality yeah. of what a manager is. So that when you come back to county, you're going to be comparing what you've been doing in club with that other. yeah mm-hmm. would that be do you think yeah. that sometimes that that sets up a, a sort of an expectation now granted it should be there for sure but do you think that you know you can come back to a county and be slightly disappointed with the intensity or the level yeah especially when if you know if you have a goal set in mind and say for an um, ucd for example like you're set on the o'connor cup and intense training is so intense. Uh, you've got a lot young, long, young girls coming in and they're so driven. Then when you go back to the county, especially if you have the same group of people there, and they've been doing this for so many years. And I know myself, I'm playing with Mononides, and you're there and you're kicking at the door and you're not getting where you want to be. And then maybe a new manager comes in and if people don't agree with their system, then I, can, I completely understand where girls kind of don't put in the effort as much. And then um, one of the questions I just wanted to ask both of you, actually, um, maybe Nadine, you'll know as well from Nafina, uh, the same as, you know, same as Quiva, you'll know yourself from, you know, having been, you know, in um, Trua Club as well. Is it a case that, so I know the LGFA have a player pathway and it's absolutely excellent and it goes the whole way up to, you know, minor age, what a player should be able to do at a certain point in time. And I think it's fantastic. And when I was out in Dunboyne, um, just, um, I suppose, just really observing their level of development and they're so successful as a club, they really apply this. Like they make sure and they work really hard with every coach from under eight the whole way to minor so that that player is exactly where they need to be with both hands, both feet, um, kick, solo, you name it. They are exactly where they need to be. And the club apply a very, very strict development and almost like a business application to producing players. Yeah. And that's really helped them with retention. Do you think that we're we're in a situation like, you know, Nadine, from your point of view, um, do you think that we could be in a situation where maybe, and it's not to insult anybody because they're all volunteers, but maybe clubs aren't really been... Um, some clubs might not be ran the way they should be or maybe the level of coaching maybe because they're volunteers we're not really ensuring that those kids um, are being retained in terms of following the player pathway Yeah, no, absolutely just speaking from my own I I can only really comment on the FINA Um, the FINA have a GPO and he's absolutely excellent and yes, the whole player pathway is implemented and I think it's twice a year or even more than twice a year they do like coaching seminars and so on but again, it's, it, it's not mandatory to go. So unless the coach of that specific underage team, you know, is motivated enough to go and implement all of these things, then yeah, absolutely, it does fall away. And I see what the scene, especially on the ladies' side of things, we have amazing volunteers. The coaching is of a very high standard. And what they tend to do is try and have a senior player involved with each team, um, underage up which is fantastic, but again, is it implemented as, as best as it can be or to the highest degree that they like Dunboyne? Probably not. And again, just for that reason you mentioned, Dan, it's a lot of volunteers with very, very good intentions, but probably just not qualified coaches, and that's, that's a problem. And I would find possibly in the scene and other clubs, you would find that the most qualified coaches probably do work with the uh, boys the underage boys because it's, it's fathers and they're working with their sons and you know that's one area of interest or if the club are getting the coach they do tend to go with the underage boys especially when you go let's say to under 14 under 16 but um, mm-hmm. the Fina must be doing something right in the ladies side of things at the minute because they're under 16 they're in the county final um, in a couple of weeks, weeks which is absolutely fantastic for the club we haven't been in an A county final in a long long time so Something has been done there, but yeah, I agree 100%. It's very difficult to implement, and when it is implemented, I mean, look at Dunboyne, did they, did they get the Intermediate Club Ireland Final last year? Or Yeah, they did Junior and Intermediate. Movie. Yeah, or Junior and Intermediate Road, so there you go. You know, that's, it definitely works, but from a Monaghan point of pers- point of view then Quiva um, where would you see that would you see that it could be the same as what I might have seen in other clubs or you know that we're, no, we're definitely not, probably not up to the standards of the Dunbine 
um, like as we try to do in the demon sales that we try to get a senior player so at our county board like a lot of our county board in my um, well especially in my uh, previous club with the two um, the county board was actually it tended to be of the senior players like which was probably not a very good thing we tend to run yeah. our own county boards um, so we tried to implement that we wanted to develop an underage and we kind of tucked you in like I tucked you on the clouds on the board teams we kind of organised ourselves each week to take them but there's only so much that you can do yourself so um, getting managers, good managers in who have the training and, and implementing the pathway and stuff, it's only if they're really, really driven to do it as well. And that, as Nadine was saying, a lot of them would go to the men, to the young boys, as opposed to coming to um, the girls as well. So I've noticed that in our club, it tends to be the same people for the last couple of years. And that's probably a reason why our like, club hasn't got is maybe quoting like the likes of Dunamine. Like I know they've developed their underage and they put in the guest managers from outside and all to come in to train. Whereas we've kind of you stick with your own kind of like who's in your club and stuff like that. And maybe that's also a reason why then maybe things aren't really changing within the club. So then another yeah yeah no, I, I totally agree. Quite and again, I suppose then coming from a teacher's point of view, I know the GFA they run summer courses for teachers and. You know, I know as a teacher you do the summer course to get the three days off, so people may not be overly interested while they're there. But I mean, I think something, something that the FLGFA came up with some kind of strategic plan that they really implemented something in the schools. Like I know coaches from clubs go in and we have a lovely girl comes in to do camogie, we have nobody comes in to do football, but it's all from the club. Whereby FLGFA, I don't know, some kind of strategic plan to ensure yeah. that a coach goes into a school for X number of weeks even in a year yeah. Um, yeah. would be brilliant. Coming directly from headquarters, let's say, not from yeah. a club but, or so on, definitely something yeah. they could look at. Yeah, and so I think... That, yeah, I agree. I think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, these are all absolutely brilliant solutions, but I guess... It, it still goes back to, you know, club committees um, to implement yeah. them. And again, we know yeah, it's our, everyone's a volunteer and they're given their free time for it. But to do it right, and I think, and to have retention, I think everything yeah. that you guys have said there, you know, would be really a priority for, for a lot of these clubs. Um, in terms of like, you know, managers that have left the county now, you know, if we look at, you know, I used to coach in county myself and I'm, you know, I'm very, very happy. I'm just coaching um, in Dublin at the moment with Fingalians. But, you know, you look at people like Peter Clark, like yourself, Nadine, um, Connor Barry, like all of these were like county managers. And they're very, very, very settled, it appears. And they're doing fantastic work with their, you know, their respective clubs that they're with at the moment. Um, like Peter, especially, will say, you know. For, yeah, with Fox Cam, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on um, that as having had the experience yeah. of it? There's Peter, yeah, also Niall Williams, who I worked with um, in Westmead. Niall was with us in Messina. Um, he's from Westmead himself, and he got offered the Westmead job and asked me to go in with him, and I was delighted. But Niall's now in, in Carlo. He actually won a, a, a club intermediate All-Ireland, I think, with my show, a uh, camogie team. Um, I spoke from my own point of view. I was with Westmead for two years coaching, currently enjoyable, and then... Um, I left and I was with Messina and my club for a year last year and I suppose from a personal point of view with me it was fantastic it was a massive learning experience um, I did it straight out of retirement you know it was great it was the habit of being on a pitch kept that up that was brilliant and um, then I suppose I went to the club because personally really there was no big commute I was living in Dublin um, instead of leaving my house at half three in the afternoon and getting back at ten I was now leaving at possibly quarter to five and getting back at about nine. Um, working with, I mean, the Westmead County Board were fantastic, but they were nice that we didn't know until four o'clock that evening what pitch we'd be training on, you know. So yeah. with the club, you have a pitch to train on. Um, Nafina, again, just speaking from my own club, Nafina gave us complete equality when it came to the men's senior team in terms of budget, in terms of pitches in terms of if we had a championship match on a Wednesday and the men had a league match, we would get the front pitch. Um, I have every resource at my disposal. disposal you know, I put in for budget at the start of the year. Um, there were very much open lines of communication. And um, Again, going back to Westmead, Geraldine Giles especially, and Michael O'Sullivan, the secretary, they were incredible to work with. But, you know, at times the county board as a whole, you might have delegates who would have a bit of an agenda for their own club. Yeah. So, you know, that affects the county setup. You know, I remember there was a lot of 
working with the camogie and fixtures and different things. It was all it was very, very difficult. Even, you know, communicating with the minor manager at times. He was very good and gave us players, but those girls had to play with the minor team whereas with Messina really it was just seamless. I, I you know, there yeah. was a huge, huge difference. It was just easier. It really, really and, was. Um, and again I suppose I mean, to hear the level of, you know, how equal the ladies' team was treated in Nafina, you know, oh, to the men. amazing, yeah. Like, from my own personal point, I, I don't think that's the norm. And the other question no, I wanted to ask you is, to, yeah. and, and Quiva can come in on this in a second as well, with her thoughts on it, but in terms of, like, fundraising, would you have been expected, would the men have been expected to do any fundraising, or yourselves, from the ladies' side? In, or? in Nafina? Yeah. In Nafina, yeah, there would have been a, every year. Nafina run a huge, um, a huge fundraiser. I think that year it could have been like Dancing with the Stars or something like that. And it was very much a whole club effort. Um, and then in terms of the girls on an individual basis, each team might have done a table quiz or something like that. But yeah, like the men would have equally had to, you know, fundraise in that sense. But the huge fundraiser generated a huge amount of cash. But a lot of work went into that as well. Um, but Nafina, I think, were pioneers of equality. I mean, it was always, we were one of the few clubs way, way, way back, you know, who were under the umbrella. It was all the one club. There was no separate, separate yeah. um, men's club, women's club. So they were pioneers in that sense and they've kept going. So, you know, that was seamless, I suppose. But, you know, thinking of that, I suppose, Kiva, the way I stepped away, let's say, from Intercounty Management yourself. Now, you, you stepped away from Intercounty at 25, which is very young. I know you'll probably go back, but I suppose, what have you based? Your decision on in, in that sense. Uh, I since moving to Dublin, I moved to Dublin last Manchester. year, and I was travelling home to Dublin. Just yeah. to meet, you know, I actually did not enjoy my football. I started to not enjoy. I used to be living out of my car, and that was fine. I used to, I was working as a nurse, and working in fifteen hour shifts, and I used to maybe try to work and like through my break in the evening time just to get away that little bit earlier, grabbing my stuff, running onto the field, maybe not doing a proper warm up, and. Being exhausted, you know, staying in other people's houses closer to, because I was coming like from Dublin, so I used to stay maybe around Carrickville Cross just because I couldn't drive that full distance back to Dublin. Yeah. And it was yeah. tough. It really took it out of me mentally and. Yeah, I was going to say mentally and physically. Mentally, yeah, mentally it took yeah. it out of me and maybe I wasn't performing then and then I felt I was getting myself down then by not maybe putting the performance in when I wanted to give my best. And yeah, you start guiding yourself then. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. I lost, yeah. I lost confidence. I lost everything. And I'm actually only, since I've moved to, like, uh, Fingalians, I've moved to Fingalians by the past um, two months. And back playing with TCD, I've, I've got my love back from football again. I've just got it completely Brilliant. back. So yeah. I'm a completely different woman now. I did have a couple of months. Great. Nadine, from your point of view, you were, you were doing something quite similar, but, well albeit a, a much longer journey when you were playing with Donegal to yeah, my successes. What, what was that like? Yeah. Well, there were, there were three, three, four of us in the car. Five of us actually at one point. So it was always good crack, but, ah, you, you know, Fridays and you could go down I actually was working in a nightclub at home as well at the time, so to put myself through college. So, like, you were going down home, maybe training on a Friday night, training either a Saturday or a Sunday, and then going back in the car. And just like people said, like, very, very tough, you know, and then again, I had college football, I was at Pat at the time, Yeah, we were very good, then we were actually, you know, Pat's still are high achieving, but we were O'Connor Cup, it was just draining, it really, really was, and like, I, I retired from Intercounty at 28, um, basically because of the commute, I had no life at the weekends, I had no life during the week, um, and I just decided I was playing and loving football in Dublin with the FINA, so that basically, yeah, that cut it short for me, but you know, back then as well, There'd be no dinner after training or nothing like that. It'd be a part of Luke's good sport. Maybe the odd sandwich some night and you'd be way back down the road on Sunday. Um, needless to say, there was a lot of plagiarism in college as well. So um, <laughs> that was, that's how you got through it. <laughs> and Quiva, would you have the, you know, when you were travelling back to Monaghan, just to pick up on that point, you know, what would have been yeah. the treatment? Would you have food after training? Like, like I did, I did, um, so I commuted, I've been living in Dublin probably the last three years, but um, I started, commu I commuted up and down, playing county for the two years, and, like, we were treated now, we were treated very well in Mon and like, to have a, a full, um, like, a centre, like, of excellence, where, like, we were never worried about, we'd always have a field, we had dressing rooms, we always got fed after each training, now, but that was for the first day, like, 
inside yeah. uh, the great facility. But you wouldn't have always had that, I suppose. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. And it even, yeah, it's still like, if the man and men are, uh, we only had, before they put the new bit on, we only had one kitchen, and the man and men were training, and one kitchen, we had either food in the change rooms. And last year, not last year, the year before, when we were there, then we brought our own food, so each week someone cooked. So like okay. I think this week someone cooked because the kind of people can't cut all that out, so we had to do it ourselves. So we just and like all our own fundraising, all we can do all that ourselves, like as well. And um, it is tough, like but we could, we got by, we got by. But um, yeah, it is very tough. It's changing all the time. Like you know, every year there's always something a cut back on something, or then there's more of a um, investment and something. It really depends on sponsors as well, I suppose. And would you feel yeah, that, um, just from your understanding of, I suppose, being the outside looking in from on, and do you think things have changed since the WGPA and obviously, you know, the government, um, you know, they've had grants, I think, that they were that they were um, awarding to uh, each county for the last, I think, four or five years, or it was signed off five or six years ago or something, but I think they're now getting that. Do you, from looking from the outside, do you think that it's uh, improving? Do you think that they... Um, the treatment of of the girls having to travel and the girls coming to training that they're being they're being treated that bit better. They're having to do a little bit less, maybe fundraising yeah. or what do you see? Yeah, yeah, I do. I actually did. Sharon Courtney was um is a uh, women's GPS. She's one of the high ladies up on it, and she like was always promoting it to us and said if you any problems, you go to the women's GPS. That's what they're there for. And she was so good at enforcing it and like giving us, she gave us like a, a card and everything. So we had that number on us when we needed for anything. And I feel that that definitely has made, a, made an impact on anyway when I was there. I don't know what it was like by last year, but the girls seem to have a lot last year. Like they're getting help with the fundraising, they're getting that um, money investment as well, which seems to be helping, like help them a lot as well. So no, I definitely do. It's, it's still obviously going to improve that bit more as well, but it's a starting point, which we need. And really football, yeah, yeah. I know uh, a certain county, um, the ladies team have to pay six thousand a year to rent the county pitch for oh training. So the WGPA grant is very much welcome for that. That basically covers that, you know. And yeah, the WGPA is definitely doing great work. And um, you just hope that every rep is as you know forceful as Sharon, yeah. let's yeah. say, and promoting what yeah. they have and. Yeah, they've great services. Even like they've mental health service now, providing yeah. the twenty four hour helpline and so on. So, um, that's you know definitely great. Very important. Very important. Yeah. Um, as you were saying earlier, Nadine, about you know you're you're asking Quiva about the I suppose the mental health aspect of all of that level of travel. I mean, you know, Quiva, you were saying there how it really impacted your performance, and you were yeah. thinking about it and overthinking about it. Were you able to able to overcome that yourself, or what did you need? Did you feel to just you know, to just bring back that pep in your step and to just get you back enjoying football again? Um, oh, I don't know. I kind of, I stopped to, I tried to give too much, basically, when I was, with the, I was working, trying to organise this, that and the other, and trying to book days off for this, which is normal for a lot of people anyway. But I tried to maybe not do as much, you know, maybe only try to get to the one train in the week, which I got to every week. Mm. And I used to try to make the three, and I used to be just in such bad form and really not enjoying my football. So maybe cut the day over set me, maybe try to get to one keeper. Yeah. And one dollar day, yeah, that yeah. was exactly it. That's what got me through the last two months when I, um, in 2017, yeah, last two months in 2017, it really helped me through where I was given that one day where I actually could give it my all was when I was given the three and coming maybe from a night duty. I used to come from night duty yeah, I three and, and that used to get my confidence even more down like after that. But when I give it that one full training session and not let my not get it, let it get on top of me. I see I'm one of these people that kinda need to give it all or give it nothing, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And kinda of in my mind. Would you guys would would both of you like what, what would you feel in terms of like say you know from a male men a male ladies point of view the fact that they've like six seven up to twelve at certain times of the year players in Dublin um having to commute um now Nadine I think I believe you have experience of that where you know you might have helped train teams down here yeah I mean, what are counties yeah, well, doing to try and help the girls during that midweek session well I know what Donegal I actually did help out and um, as I said before it would have been very good good friends of Max and he asked me to help out um to train the Dublin girls and now I literally was only able to do it a handful of times because of college and work and various commitments but he would have had somebody in place be it me or somebody else whereby that group of seven eight girls would train collectively during the week 
he also organised that Days and Train collectively um, in a kind of middle point between Donegal and Dublin. Um, that was once every so often, which meant that Donegal girls had to commute essentially as well, which was brilliant. But I don't think many many ladies teams would have, I suppose, the human capital or even, you know, the monetary capital to, to fulfil that, to do that, to rent a pitch somewhere, to travel and give expenses. So I'd say Donegal are one of the few. And um, so I'm not sure what other other counties do. Um and Quiva, a lot of counties commute home, I think. I know yeah, you know, a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would you if you're within Sorry, Dan, go ahead. I was just I was gonna suggest, I was gonna just ask that would you feel like um from a Monaghan perspective or Donegal that um you know that it could put other counties at an advantage um not having to take that imagine being able to like spend that three night a week with you know, all of your panel, all of your team working on stuff like Oh absolutely. I mean, yeah. You look at Dublin, I mean, like yeah. I know they're pushing the boat out in every single area and aspect of ladies football but I mean to be able to train with your whole panel three, four, five nights a week like you know even from a team bonding point of view yeah it's yeah. incredible yeah you know I mean you can't compete with that you really can't and Cork are probably in a similar enough boat and um, even Galway Galway I know if you're from Ulster essentially or you're from Donegal or you know Goldfather County there's either a college in Dublin or Belfast yeah. or Galway so they're travelling from somewhere I know from Donegal so many of the girls work in Dublin or work outside the county and Monaghan are probably no different yeah. so yeah for those counties it's so so hard it really really is and then in terms um, of um, like the club football in Dublin Quiva you're just you're you're quite new into it and you know I suppose you know, I suppose you'll see that some of the county players uh, on your Fingalians team, you know, they're away for probably the best part of the three months. I think nearly it's almost three months there isn't a club game in Dublin played, you know, because of their county yeah. being so successful. So you're really only starting to get a, a feel for Dublin club right now. And like, you know, what's your first impression of the last couple of weeks? Just having a look at uh, the club system in Dublin and how it works and the quality and the level of players that's involved. Oh, it's... Like, I think it's just, like, it's amazing compared to what I've had in modern. Like, and I'm not, my club has been absolutely brilliant. Like, they put in the hard work, but it's just to have, like, we would never have, a, like, an outsider or anything even train us. It's always the local man around the road, you know, or the local, someone local <laughs> within the community, which is a complete, like, it's a real honor yeah. thing, I think. And I've never had that level. I actually, when my first day going into Singalian training, I felt like walking, it felt like going back to a county. So it's all, yeah. it was really professional, but it's that, like, I felt like we there, like, the whole time. We were really welcomed so well. And the top-class quality players, like, coming to training with over 20, I'd never had that at club, ever. Like, mm-hmm. you were, there was none of this. Um, it's very professional, but I can see then why Dublin do so well in everything they do because there's such a high standard, especially in senior in Dublin. Like, there's so many teams up senior. Like, in modern, there's 14 senior. I played one championship game this year, the semi-final, and I was knocked out. I played two club oh. games in modern this year. That was it. And that was due to me as well, um, not playing county. And I felt like not playing county then, um, I wasn't able to play. We had a, a reserve league here in Monaghan um, where no county players could play. But because I played county in 2017, they brought in a rule that I couldn't play this year, which cut me back from maybe 10 games where I had to sit on the sideline and maybe we had a ring in under 16 to come and go on because I couldn't play because they played county the year before. So that really kind of not yeah. that completely and I kind of nothing to my club it was completely not my club's fault it was kind of the kind of board made this rule up and it was very unfair yeah. for me like that's, so that's you know that that's just crazy stuff all together you know yeah no it's you're, you're, really upsetting when I wanted to yeah. push you I said I want to give my club everything because I've been playing country for the past five six years and you know coming to one game here and there and just getting on and not being able to give it everything and I said last year this is it I'm going to give it everything out of the club and not being able to do that played two games with the club all year and when I was telling the ladies I was leaving like they were all delighted they're like Kiva like you need, you're in Dublin you're like 99% of my life is yeah, in Dublin they've asked me they yeah. said you were hard done by go on and we want to see you enjoy your football again and like as soon as I arrived to St. Gallions that first night I got my mojo back like completely yeah completely yeah yeah I would have been the same to be honest like when I transferred to Nafina and Oasis I think it was um, 
stuff like that. It was the commute going home and my own club. We've been highly successful, but we were actually transitioning, you know, um, a lot of girls had retired and so on. And I suppose I made a selfish but conscious enough, enough decision. I just thought, you know, I have a lot of years left of football and I want to play at a really, really high level. And like yourself, I think that year I played maybe five games the whole season. I got up to Dublin, sure, playing a match every single week from April. You just, you don't know yourself, you really don't. Um, but with that too, Creepy, you might find, you know, you know, it's great being in friends and, and all the rest, but you might find, you might have to deal with, I suppose, a bit of negativity from outside of friends, you know, this can't yeah. be player and who is she. So, you know, how do you oh, feel no. you might you might deal with that in the sense that you're not going to get verbally abused on the pitch or anything like that? No, I know. You'll, you'll, you'll get a lot of double teaming, you'll get a lot of, you know, attention on the pitch. So, um, how do you see yourself, I suppose, managing that? No, like I, I know I've made the right decision. Like definitely, so yeah. I just have to. This, this is it's life, you know. Especially with football, there is a lot of negativity out there, and you just have to be the stronger person and just kind of let it go over your head. And as I always say, just leave it, leave everything on the field. And yeah. if people want to be negative, look at that's let let them have it. I just kind of yeah. let these things go over my head. And if I'm there to play and enjoy my football, that's what life's about. You're supposed to enjoy your sport and enjoy what you do and love what you do. So I feel like yeah. people like that shouldn't shouldn't even be involved in any kind of football at all. Yeah, totally. Like I'll, I'll make sure there's no ill feeling from the scene that goes going your way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, from just like listening to that there as well, like Quiva, do you think that um do you think the culture has stayed the same as how it should in terms of if you go back you know five or six years, um and you see the level of tough training that players were doing and you know, that desire that, you know, it's not enjoyable doing that tough training, but it's enjoyable when you get the return that you want, like yeah. when you win, yeah. that's enjoyable. And you should mm-hmm. probably train twice as hard as you ever play. Like some people would say that. Do you think that yeah. things, do you think that things have changed over the years? And this is actually be interesting to see what both your thoughts are on this in terms of, you know, players I'm not saying I don't want to say gone a bit soft, but you know, maybe maybe you'll say it and I yeah, well, I kind of did. But, you know, like in my mind, I just know how it was for me. And I know that we were successful. And Finbar Egan was an incredibly tough coach. And Jonathan Mullen and, and Owen Sweeney, while they were there, they were so tough. And we worked so hard because we didn't have three and four years all funded strength conditioning. So we had to make the best of what we could do on the pitch. And, you know, we did it without question. And you didn't question it. It was a case of like, you know, you know, Finbar would probably say, trust me, if you do what I ask, I promise you'll win. And that was enough. Yeah, there was yeah. enough trust there to do that. Ha- have things changed in the culture or, you know, you know, Nadine, when you were saying there earlier about players wanting to be involved and having a lot to say, do you think things have changed in, in a lot of, I suppose, club environments and county environments where, you know, because we're nearly sometimes stuck for players or there's a worry about player retention, that we all have to become that little bit soft and we lose track of you know, what has to be done to succeed? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose I'd be more your era um, than, than, than Quavo is. So, yeah, look, at, no more than yourself, I'd say we probably trained five, six, seven nights a week. We didn't think twice about it. Um, you never complained. You just wanted to train. But I think there's a huge science behind everything now and sports science has probably had an influence on all of that and, you know, so many training courses for managers and for coaches and I suppose I tried to do as many as I could myself and the whole area of burnout, which is a word I think is thrown about a bit loosely too too often, but it's, there is such a thing there. And I suppose an LGFA brought in that rule where a girl couldn't play too far above her own age level. But that definitely, I think that culture started to develop that you really have to look after yourself from under 14. And I think now, this is kind of 10 years later, we have those players as senior players. I'm not saying they've gone soft, but definitely, there's a definitely a different culture. Um, and it's not a case that, I don't think it's a case that they don't want to work hard for, for what they get. I think they just work in a different manner. Um, and I know from a coaching point of view now, you know, when I am coaching, I am very wary of underage kids who are maybe playing camogie football, everything at school. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you would let them off in terms of training. Yeah, but then there's definitely an attitude of players who, well, we didn't get coached like that before, so I don't think this is the right way of coaching. 
Um, but I know again from coaching in Dublin, I find it very difficult when I coached Nafina last year in terms of, let's say, your physical training. Because the season was the full stop start, I felt I had to have players peaking three to four times in the one season. Yeah. And that was really, really difficult. It was very hard to keep fresh. Yeah. Um, the girls did respond. But, you know, in terms of working hard for what you get, yeah, definitely. And I, I did feel as well that your mentality is something that, as a coach, you can coach into a player. You know, I just think there's certain players who have that mentality of they will push themselves to the absolute limit in training and you can see it on the pitch. And I think a person who you could totally, you know, assume that role would be Sinead Goldrick. I mean, when you see Sinead Goldrick playing, I've never seen her train, but I can only imagine, imagine that she would train like that. It completely, I would just imagine Sinead Goldrick, like, Sharon, like just from playing with Mom and Ladies, Sharon Courtney, there's never yeah. a day yeah. where she doesn't perform and training is the exact same. That she will put in everything. You know, even you know when you come training, you might feel a bit sluggish, you might feel a bit, you know, what you feel like, you know, training today or whatever. She never has that mentality. And I find that the younger ones more coming through who have that mindset as opposed to maybe the older girls coming through. The, the younger girls are kind of like, oh, don't, as um, uh, you said earlier about being kind of soft. I don't, I don't know what that comes from. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's coming maybe from the underage, or as you know, like if you're playing maybe a B um, championship, maybe if you're minor and you're playing the B level, is it that reason why? And then you're jumping on that up to the senior. Um, I don't yeah, know. It's yeah. a very difficult one hundred yeah. percent because we weren't. Well, I know, just speaking for myself, I was never like that. So it's that mentality, and it's very hard to understand. Yeah, why why players? And I'm not even going to say younger players. Why other players don't share that mentality that, yeah. let's say, I personally might have of if one at all costs and you just you run till you drop and that's yeah. you know question that you do it you're told to do yeah whatever run you just get yeah. over it and and it's it's respect for a coach too I mean I've been coached yeah. by many many people yeah. male and female I haven't agreed with all of their the way they trained us I didn't like some of them per on a personal level um but whatever we were told to do. Now, they might disagree and they might say she's not telling the truth there. She didn't know what I told her to do. But I would have always felt like, look, this is their gig. I'm here to play and yeah. they're here to coach. And I just exactly. think that that's, you have to respect that in the sense. Do you think that it you could know? be comfort levels? Like, so, Nadine, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, like, you yeah, were probably always going to be a starter in the Donegal team, and was there really someone chomping at the bit who was just on Yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah. I was probably never in a position that my place wasn't secure. So yeah, absolutely, that, that was a comfort level, so totally. So had I been, let's say, a fringe player, would I have responded in the same way? Possibly not. Yeah. You know, you don't know. So, so yeah, definitely, that could have a, a huge impact on it. Yeah, so maybe potentially coming from, you know, clubs where the numbers are not so great. And, you know, clubs, you know, normally they're not really always that you know, that great or flush with people being away or injured with college or yeah. whatever the different things going travelling for the summer and working and so on and so forth. So there is always like, you know, there is a percentage of a comfort level there with people, you know, and you made the point earlier, which is interesting. You don't have to be just a younger player coming in to not have that kind of that culture, like that winning type of attitude. I'll do whatever I have to do, you know, so that we succeed. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of clubs are doing things at the moment and um, you know, fair play and, you know, go games so that all of the kids mm. get enough time on the pitch. Do you think there's a very fine line between the balance of uh, changing that, you know, concept of enjoying sport to the other alternative of enjoying sport equals winning? Yeah, that's, and there's, there's more calls for taking all competitive scores and everything out of football up to under 14 I think or something yeah. and I think that definitely has had an impact on the drive of players coming through um, and it's great look it's really really good for retention of kids and, and every kid getting a run and getting a game but then you have your competitive kids and you know how are their needs being met because they don't, they don't ever get to win a game. It's a draw no. game all the time. <laughs> I, I know that from um, the under 12s when I um, trained the under 12s especially here. Yeah. And they all got the, um, like you can, you have this third quarter where uh, it doesn't count. 
nothing counts, anyone just can go on. So you have the likes of the ones maybe that were subbed being like, well, why can't I play the first or second? You know, yeah. and if you've got that difficult, you're kind of in that difficult position. And then if you're a sco- you count a goal as uh, one point or something, then girls who are, the younger girls who are really driven are like, but it was a goal. Oh, no one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's three points. Like, how did it, and the ones that are so, and you probably have to raven if they're coming from a family who are very football driven and their older siblings play football at a high standard as well. And that's hard then if the ones then don't have the same mindset and then they go to the likes of under 16 minors and then automatically it's all changed. It's so all changed. Yeah. Like, when you're young, you learn the most of your things. Yeah. I think they learn it all. Yeah. And I think a big thing with that. I think a, a big problem is the parents on the sideline, yeah. and that's yeah. parents I probably agree yeah. a lot of the time. That the kids just play football, keep the score, whoever wins wins. We've all gone yeah. home and cried a wee bit after losing an under twelve yeah. time or something. But our parents weren't on the sideline, no one book mad, you know. Yeah. So I think control the parents and get the parents to explain yeah. to their children. You're not going to get a run every single match. Yeah. You're not going to win every single game. And I think then the bigger conversation about the whole, you know, non-competitive and so on, that should really die down. But to be honest, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the focus is going to continue on non-competitive up to an older age. And that's probably the way it's going to go. Yeah, it is very difficult. It's difficult when it's when you get to then the minor and senior level. Like yeah. reality hits you then, you know, being reality like this is a big time. step up. This yeah. is, you're kind of taken away from the whole GEA. You're just meant to go out, you're meant to play. You win some, you lose some. And that's the whole part of football. And you just put on two sets of jerseys, there's a referee, and you just play football. Yeah. And <laughs> all these rules and everything. It's kind of, it's taken away from the whole culture of it. You know, Absolutely. like, yeah, if you go abroad to a different country, you don't have that. You go to the likes of... Like, I went to, when I went to the All-Star Trek, we went to Hong Kong, and there was all these young ones out, and they were just all playing football. There was no, there was, someone kept the score, and you you won or you lost, and that was it. There was none of it. Yeah. And that's been yeah. a different country, and we're the main, we, we need the sports, and it's not being properly, I don't know, I just yeah, feel it's a, a bit of a, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a. Do you think um, it's like, um, like a, an attempt? A bit of a yeah, yeah. Like that's just what I was thinking. You know, do you think it might be just it might be an attempt to ensure that the numbers stay high? Um, uh, you know, in terms yeah. of participation, considering all of the other sport opportunities out there. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. 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 You will find, you know, I'd say a high percentage of the time that the kids who are going to keep it on to minor level or to senior level are the kids who want you to keep scoring a match. Yeah. You know, they're generally, that's generally the way it goes. So, and, how um, long are you going to retain them for? That's the question. Yeah. yeah. You know. And just one thing there I want to... They taken away the culture of the whole thing. And um, I just wanted to ask you something there, Nadine, in terms of, you know, you've said that the reason, you know, you're not coaching this year is because you're doing a Masters. Is, yeah. you know, what's the reason for that then? Is it time or...? Yeah, um very much time um, I'm doing my thesis this year and I just I found I, the first year I coached Nafine actually I, I started the Masters the end of that year um, because the season dragged on and I just thought oh, I'd give it September, October and I'll see how I go with college and with training and I just I physically couldn't do it um, work was really busy um, and then just trying to get to college Friday, Saturday doing assignments um, I didn't want to neglect my profession either, my job, so I just had to, I had to call it quits. And it was quite frustrating, to be honest, that year. You know, Dublin Championship was fantastic and the whole Dublin set was brilliant. But I do think the county board really, really need to look at the structure. It's, you know, when I started in the Fino, when I started in Dublin in 08, we never had these huge, huge breaks of five, six weeks. Like, it just kept taking over. Um, and the last couple of years, you don't, you, you haven't got a date for a, a county final until you know late in the summer. So um, I remember we were playing cup games in November that year. I was coaching the Fina. It's just, and I mean, you guys, St. Gallians had that match last night. You know, on Wednesday night. Sorry. Um. I. So yeah, for basically those reasons, I just I had to step back. Um. From it, disappointed to have to do so, but yeah, just not at the minute. Funny. And then from 
like a like a work life balance, then you know you've made your choice in that. Then Quiva, how do you how do you manage to try and do everything? You're still working. You're doing your postgrad. You're playing college football. You're gonna have games. You know, you're playing club football, and you, as you know, there's still about yeah. five games I'm left. Back in the club. to a busy lifestyle again, but it's more manageable. It's all within. Like I live in Dublin. I'm working in Dublin. I met yeah. Irish in Dublin and UCD and. Look, it's just being organized and planned, and I've kind of already went and booked off um, various things that I need in the next couple of weeks, and I just kind of plan out my weeks, and I'm looking forward to kind of that structure again and having that, but yeah. because everything is around me and I have a lot of support and everything as well, it's completely is as the fact I don't have much commuting to do, very little, like maximum 20 minutes, and that's yeah, really in terms of in terms of hospitals, do you change yeah. around? No. Okay. I'm in the no. world. Okay. So based in Hollis Street, so it's the one place, so I, um, oh, I'll be there for the next, I'm my postgrad 18 months, so they know me, they kind of all get in the gist that I play a lot of sports, because I'm working a few days here and there, and I'm yeah, yeah. Sundays off, so they're completely on stand, like, so far, oh, yeah. so, and um, it's that, when you have that, um, and that's not worrying your back of your mind either, it leaves it a little bit yeah. um, easy as well. And realistically, like, you'll be playing college football until... Well, hopefully, so Jay Wenzel kind of called April, I suppose, is yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, you'll be playing college football right up to then, and then you'll be going straight into the Galleon, so you're probably yeah. looking at nearly a solid nine, ten months of football, which will be And I've had a year. such a break this year. It's fantastic, because I literally, I played a college game, game last night, and that's the first competitive game I have played since the 7th of June this year. Wow. Brilliant. That was it. I played a challenge game. Yeah, like, it was the first competitive game I've played because of not being able to play at home in the club. Um, so I'm this next couple of months, it's really, it's, it's a looking forward to it. So right, right. Yeah. And just, yeah. We were on the topic of managers. Who is the manager of UCD this year? Uh, Connor Barry. Ah, oh, Connor's of UCD, very yes. good. And we yes. obviously have aspirations of an O'Connor Cup. Please God, yes. I've never yes. played O'Connor Cup, so this is completely new to me, this training of college. I went to... And BKIT when I studied my general nursing and we were in the Lynch Cup. Ah, okay. So we never, a training was kind of laxity, so even course, yeah. Team, it's kind of like, it's a completely, it's up in the level. It's completely, Brilliant. like, and then and all the ones that are 18, 19, or her at that scene where they're just living for yeah, yeah. and being in, being in that group again, it just kind of brings everything back to where I started off a couple of years ago. And and who are the, the big shots in UCD this year? Who are the big county players? Oh, got a lot of there's a lot of Dublin ladies there too. Okay. Got Molly Lamb, you have Neve Collins, um, you have Tara, and then there's Anya from uh, Galway as well. There's a lot, like there's a very, like, a very competitive very yeah. competitive group of players. So and that will only improve your football as that, well. That's exactly it. It's only drive everyone on to. So, and that's what we're saying. But if you have the players there to drive the team on, the management should just slip into that role. You know, yeah, they should slip it. into that yeah. role as well. Yeah. And it should be a unit then. And yeah. just kind of get what you want to achieve out your year. Welcome to Sports Girls Podcast, brought to you by sportstalk.ie. Check out gemevents.ie, candy carts, chocolate fountains, selfie mirrors. We got all your party needs covered at gemevents.ie, healthandfitnessireland.net. We put you back in control of your health, fitness, nutritional and well-being needs through education, advice and motivation. Check out healthandfitnessireland.net. Looking to dance the night away? Check out thelols.ie, the perfect sound for your next wedding, party or function. Great set lists, lively and sure crowd pleasers, thelols.ie.